And welcome to another episode of Stalking Carpenter, everyone's favorite behind the cash fence miniseries. It's a podcast. Starring actual teen heartthrobs, (laughs) Mike Burge and Robbie Anderson. Hey, what's up? We're getting a little famous now, so I think that we, uh, you know, we're we're approaching teen heartthrob status. And and we are teenagers. No, we're we're teenagers. People don't know that about us. Well, Very no, we young. don't have to be teens to be teen heartthrobs. Teenagers can have their hearts throb about us, and we're going to stop talking about this right now, because if you dig into the joke too much, it becomes inappropriate. As everyone knows, Stalking Carpenter is a podcast miniseries devoted to the filmography of John Carpenter, where Robbie Anderson, a young man who yeah. has seen no movies whatsoever, ever, especially made by John no. Carpenter... No, and me, Mike Burge, <laughs> monster, who has seen every movie and brags about it all the time to an almost annoying degree. Yeah, almost. It's close. Um, and we talk. Uh, we 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 talk about John Carpenter movies. We're going through his filmography, pretty much movie by movie, two movies an episode. Uh, this episode is a little bit special because we are going back in time before jumping into Carpenter's uh, big '90s run. Uh, on the last episode, we covered um, They Live and uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Memoirs of an Invisible Man being his first 90s movie and kind of a really showcase for where things were about to go. After Memoirs of an Invisible Man, he does have a TV movie called Body Bags that he directed two-thirds of. And so wanting to cover Body Bags because it is the only thing John Car- in John Carpenter's career that I have never seen... Uh, before this podcast, we went back and we hit his other two TV movies in tandem with this third TV movie before proceeding on into his filmography into the 90s. So today we are going to be covering the three TV movies that John Carpenter made. Uh, we're going to be covering uh, someone's someone's watching me. Ah! There's an exclamation point. So if we go by mother rules. And we and we do and we do <laughs> and we do. Yes. So we're doing someone's watching me, <laughs> and uh, which is from um, 1978. It was made right before Halloween came out. So uh, then we also have Elvis, which is uh, John Carpenter being introduced to Kurt Russell, made in 1979, nominated for a lot of awards, got a lot of praise, kind of unlocked a lot of boxes for Carpenter. And then of course we are going back to the mentioned Body Bags from 1993, which is tucked right between Memoirs of an Invisible Man and his next feature film, In the Mouth of Madness. So, Robbie. Yes. This is going to be a real fun episode. I love fun. It's my favorite. Love fun. Fun's good. Love it. Someone's watching me. Yes. Tell, tell me what the fuck that movie's about. <laughs> Uh, Someone's Watching Me is a classic tale of the fear of being watched and stalked and how terrifying it is to be a lady in any time period. Um, yeah, I mean, true to the stalking carpenter name, this is a, a movie about some stalking. Um, it's a movie about a, a, a woman who moves into an apartment complex and she realizes that she is being watched via telescope and maybe even being bugged by a anonymous person uh the movie is as we talked about the other day uh quote-unquote a ripoff of rear wind uh rear window uh which is a uh hitchcock movie um but yeah it's uh it's cool i would say out of the three of these movies we were talking about today i would say this is kind of like cool but less interesting than the other two uh, I'm not sure if you agree with me there. That's how I feel, at least. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, cool, but the movie's cool. I, I like the movie, yeah. but it's just kind of it's a little uh, cookie cutter by comparison. Definitely. I mean, one of the things we'll get into the one of the things I'm the most excited to kind of 
discuss, um, or really, if I'm being honest, just talk at you about, because uh, I don't know. On a podcast, I, you? Hey, <laughs> we're behind the cash fence, baby. Like, That's all true. respect goes out the window. All of it. Uh, all of it. All um, of it. The uh, I've been up all night uh, making candy bags and Halloween pumpkins uh, for our Halloween screening tonight. So I, it's how it's Halloween. It's also by the way, Halloween. So yeah, happy Halloween. Halloween! This is going up the day after Halloween, but uh, you know we're recording it nice and fresh. Uh, so happy Halloween to everybody, and uh, looking forward to Christmas this year. I am usually not we'll see. a Christmas guy, <laughs> and I am very much looking forward to people being slightly nicer to each other when they do interact with one another. And um, being left alone. I hope you're right. I hope it's good. Um, yeah, someone's watching me is... Um, uh, I love TV movies because there's such different rules with TV movies and there's different types of TV movies. And one of the fun things about these three movies is it is each one of his movies is, an, is a perfect example of the three different types of TV movies that you can get. Someone's mm-hmm. watching me is a ripoff script trying to grab attention from something else by copycatting other like beloved masterworks using some updated technology. And in 1978, the wild thing is, is that telescopes were the updated technology. They were the cell phones the future. of the horror <laughs> film genre. And um, like just getting that and getting like some uh, for hire director to jam it out and do it, maybe get some stars that you think are on the rise, which a lot of the actors in someone's watching me were expected to become something big and their stars just really didn't go anywhere. Uh, John Carpenter ended up utilizing a lot of them later on. Um, And uh, so like that's a certain type of TV movie that you can make where it's just really good for everybody to get on in, sharpen their skills. I did a lot of research on this when I did my first episode, first article for movie daddy, my Steven Spielberg retrospective, because I covered all of his TV movies in the very beginning. And he's got a movie very similar to this in his, in his oeuvre in the beginning, um, Mm. where you can just see like the studios just kind of let you do really whatever you want on a TV movie, as long as you follow the guidelines and rules. Um, they don't really mess with you on their day to day. The producers are not as hands on. So really it's something for someone like Carpenter who just made Halloween had no idea how huge Halloween was going to be. He pretty much went straight from making Halloween to making this movie. And from making this movie after he was done making it, the immediate success of Halloween, he was already in the TV world and that's how he got um, the Elvis gig. And I think you read a little bit about that too. So we'll get into that when we get to Elvis. Um, Mm -hmm. But as far as a movie, someone's watching me is like, yeah, the rear window aspect is cool. I kind of like how it's flipped because in rear window, the victim is the one that's using the telescope to be able to see what's going on and see all these things from an outside like vantage point. And in this, it's kind of flipped where the telescope is the way that the killer is getting on in there. Um, And there's a lot of like really 1978-isms in here that is kind of fun and cool. Uh, It's very cheaply made. It takes place in essentially like two sets. And that's about it. And there you go. And... The acting is not that bad for like a direct to TV movie from 1978. I think, I think it's pretty good. I think the uh, the lead actress is really good in the movie, actually. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Adrian Barbeau's in it. I also like. I like a lot of the dialogue. I think that's kind of like one of the things that really sells the movie for me. It sounds like Carpenter, like directed dialogue at least. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought oh, he I wrote the it. movie. Oh, he did write it. Yeah. So there you he go. Yeah, it, yeah, I really. I really like a lot of like kind of the more like human conversation moments in the movie. Um, I think I think sometimes when like the stalking things happening, I find it, like I found it like a little bit less interesting. Uh, I really like the intro to the movie, like the yeah, um, it's cool. The the grid and it fades into like the actual apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, really it's cool. also very like you know Hitchcocky kind Is of it? like okay. open yeah um, yeah they're they're going for a mood in this and they're getting it and. Uh, However much you... It's the old uh, homage versus stealing uh, yeah. argument. Uh, whichever one you feel like. It it's John Carpenter, homage. so I'll be nice to him. I'll be like, nice homage. Yeah. Okay. Great great homage. Um, 
And then what was the other thing I really... I, I, I mentioned to you the other day, off off the microphone, mm. on mic, off mic, and uh, I was saying how it reminded me a lot of uh, the movie The Conversation, which is also kind of like a, a movie that deals with like the anxieties of uh, recording technology and spy technology and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that movie a lot. So it was cool. You know, I like I like all that stuff. It's it's cool movie. Um That's all yeah. I got. It's, it's good. It's like very we we talked we spoke very briefly yesterday kind of about it while we were wrapping up apple cider donuts at the theater. Yes. Um and it's very uh you know, it, it 1970s was very big brother, Watergate, all of this stuff. Uh yeah. everyone's watching you. Uh, you're never alone. People can listen in on anything. Technology has made it where privacy is no longer a thing. That's very much the the theme that this movie is kind of dealing with, not in a very now we're just, now metaphorical we're just used to way. It. <laughs> it's just, but yeah, and like that's you know, you, you get you get uh, movies these days where it's just like movies these days. Yeah, what, what, these what's days. everybody hey. doing these days? Like hey. meta, meta, meta. Like let's just mm. calm down here. I just want a story. Keep your politics uh, out of my movie. Buddy of mine made a uh, post on the old social media about he showed his kid uh, Scream finally, and that they really like Scream, but they didn't like that it was only meta. They were like, "Well, it should have been meta, 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 meta." And I was just like, first off, I want to kill your kid. Second off, watch Scream Two. That's where the meta, meta happens. It knows where it gets real meta. I hate meta. kids. They don't know anything. How old is how old is this kid to have a firm grasp on the concept of like meta narratives? Uh, gotta be about twelve, thirteen ish. Smart kid, smart there. kid, but also too smart for his own good because he's about to get his ass kicked. Well, no, kids are like kids are like like uh like twelve, like eleven and twelve, twelve, thirteen is like the new like sixteen because okay. like they're so involved now with everything and you have access to everything. Like you it's know true. you. I had a really specific weird childhood where like around eight and nine, I started watching really weird horror movies, which started turning me on to really weird like dramas and comedies. So I was kind of like, as far as like the world, I was like experiencing these things that I didn't really understand and didn't know really how to attribute to like day to day life. But I was aware of concepts that I think that I should not have been really kind of tapping into until closer to like 14 or 15. And I was getting the shit before I was 10. Yeah. It was very, it was very like a, the, the age of VHS and video rental stores with uh dipshit workers that don't care about a kid walking in and renting like all six Stuff. nightmare on Elm street. It's like, it's a great place to live. I think I was just a fucking idiot when I was a kid and I continue to be slightly less of an idiot <laughs> as an adult. Uh, but hey, we're getting there. Yeah. Good for but that. Yeah, good for uh, that little kid who understands meta narratives. Hopefully, uh, yeah, he likes good. scream. I hope he likes scream too. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> no idea how that connected to what I was talking about before. Naturally, you know, I'm losing my game, but I'm not going to stop the. I'm not going to stop the tangents. Don't um, yeah, don't stop. This is what people, no one. This is what people pay for. This is cash friends. People pay. Yeah, for this, this is this is where the dollars go. <laughs> this is where it is. This is it. Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, so lastly, for me, on someone's watching me, I think it's really cool to watch something that was made, you know, over 40 years ago mm-hmm. that is um, that is very much the type of horror movie that is made like every five or ten years when technology moves to a certain point. You know, they're just like cell phones start coming out. It's like, all right, start coming out with like, you know, weird cell phone stuff. Movies. Let's start being anxious about this. <laughs> and let's exactly. Yeah. And they're just like they're. I really love the the quaintness and kind of the the authoritative like confidence mm-hmm. of being like telescopes and high rise buildings and people just living in these kind of like you know ant farms. I almost naturally said alien ant farms to refer to ant farms. Do you know alien ant farm? Is that a sp- is that a specific thing? You weren't jumbling separate things together. Alien ant farm is a is a band. <laughs> Oh, they are did they a good. Uh, they made no. They did a um a song called Movies. Oh, so they they like they like movies apparently, and they they did That's the good. cover of that Michael Jackson song Smooth Criminal. Have you ever heard that really popular, like kind of um pop rock version of Smooth Criminal? Any of you? Okay. 
Mm, We're moving maybe. on. We're moving maybe. on. Uh, telescopes and people living in ant farms and just that kind of idea of like the individual starting to get lost. There is no privacy. Everything about you is constantly available to everyone. 40 years ago, you know, that's a very kind of like uh, ahead of its time concept, even though those issues were very um, big and important and topical then. You know, that's very much a big thing that's kind of just day-to-day life, not even just horror movies, where there is no real privacy. The individual is starting to kind of get lost in the ether. And I uh, watching the movie in 2020 of all times, it was just very, ah, yeah, yeah this cool. is this is like, a this is well-made, and it's a cool idea, and okay, what's next, you know? Yeah, in, in you know... Uh... In in where it sits in Carpenter's career, it's very cool. I think as far as TV movies go, it shines above many. <laughs> sure, yeah. You know, but yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's a cool movie. I don't mean to sound like too lukewarm on it. It's just like I think we got more exciting movies to talk about. You know no, totally. I mean? And I I think that lukewarm is the perfect temperature for this tea. Like it is. Yeah. That is not. Someone's watch. Someone's watching me. Someone's is, watching me. It's <laughs> not a movie to get fucking worked up about. Like, there's not a whole lot no. going on. But what is going on? It's is no. Very it's no memoirs of an invisible man. No, not at the be- all. the best Carpenter. <laughs> I couldn't even say it. By far, I mean the best. They live. <laughs> get fucked. We're doing. We're doing it. <laughs> memoirs. Shut up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Memoirs of, an, <laughs> memoirs of an invisible geisha. Um, Where is she? I can't, is that, I can't find movie? her. Where is she? Where is she? Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Happy Halloween. Let's move on. Let's move on. Spooky. Let's talk about probably Spooky. the one thing that we are the most excited to talk about. I refuse to talk to you about this over the past couple days. Because I yes. wanted this to be nice and fresh, Robbie. Even though you d- you did a little bit, but a little bit, I tried to. Well, I didn't you want let to be the, rude. You like let you let the air out of the. Yeah, you uh, you were talking you know. to me about it, so I was like, I was talking. I'm at not going to be rude. I'm going to respond. Yes, uh, Robert Leo Anderson. That's me. Tell me about 1979's Elvis. It is the biopic starring actual at the time teen yes. heartthrob. Yeah. Hot, hot boy, yeah. hottest boy, teen heartthrob, Kurt Russell, directed by John Carpenter for the television. The biopic that kind of, if they hadn't made biopics like this before, they certainly did after. Um, <laughs> it is, it it reminds me of like every biopic I've ever seen and it predates most of them. And uh, it is very good. It's shot very well. The movie it, at times feels like John Carpenter's biggest movie I think he's ever made. Uh I think that just comes from you know cinematic ma- cinematic magic. At the end of the day, uh, this movie really is really fucking cool. It's uh, very long. Yes. It feels it feels very and it feels very long. Uh, and you know how I feel about long movies that feel long, but this is a good one. You love I had, them. I love them. I had to break it up over the course of a few days. Steeped in the world. Oh yeah, I'm a tea bag of. I don't know. Uh, this movie's really cool, and I think we both have a lot to say about it. I think you really. Cause you have you seen Elvis before watching this? Yes. Okay. So how do you? But this is like the, like someone's watching me. Someone's watching me. Someone's watching uh, me. I saw in film school, so that would have been because in film school I took a class where we watched all of the like earlier underknown movies of like really popular genre directors. Oh, um, I know a thing or two about that. Fun stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Check out our video Creative Origins on yeah, the YouTube you channel. Yeah. Hey. Um, the uh, So I watched Someone's Watching Me in that. Someone's Watching Me in that. Someone's Watching Me. And Elvis, I have seen duh, back in high school. Um, I really love this movie called 3,000 Miles to Graceland, which I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with uh, if they are of the same specific age as me where if you were a specific age you remember the kevin costner kurt russell elvis robbery movie where a bunch of elvis impersonators rob oh that sounds great like las vegas or something 
uh, dressed as Elvis. Um, and Kurt Russell plays one of them. And I remember hearing that Kurt Russell was in a movie with Elvis Presley. And this when he was a child. And I sent you the picture of that. And that then also crazy. that he played Elvis Presley in a 1979 movie. Now, I watched this movie a long time ago. Barely remembered yeah. most of it. I remember that it was very long and that it kind of cuts off at the 69 concert um, and doesn't follow through to, like, you know, his death uh, in the coming well, at the, years. At the point that this movie comes out, is Elvis still alive or did he pass away? He had just passed away, which is why they made uh, the movie. Okay. I believe Elvis died in 1977? Okay, I got you. Because I think I once made a joke that... uh Let's see here. Elvis Aaron Presley. Yeah, he died on August 16th, 1977. And I have uh, in the past made the joke that um, Elvis only saw one Star Wars. So he doesn't know that Luke is... He doesn't know that Darth Vader is Luke's dad. Damn, that's that's such a good joke. (laughs) Isn't that good? A lot of layers to it, like onion. I like it. And you like that? Don't you like that? It's great. It's so it's good. good. And it's a way to remember when Elvis Presley, a very talented and extremely kind individual, died. Um, he so does seem like he's very nice, right? I mean, that is his legacy. He seems that, like such you know, a nice dude. Almost everything about him that's come out that's been negative. Um, there's one instance of uh extreme kind of like uh sexual harassment um but again it's like i'm not gonna fucking get into it it's 50 fucking years ago it's a you know it it probably definitely happened it's at the height of his fame he was on a shit ton of fucking pills that's one thing that this movie very much very much does not do yeah, was he a pills guy? Is that was like so? I was, he like, was this a dude, huge I was gonna say this motherfucker guy. has to have has to have had a vice. So here's because I'm thing. like he's not even drinking in the movie. He dies like, in 1977. No. It is ruled as yeah, you know, like he has a heart attack, a heart right? attack, that kind yeah. of thing. It takes a very long time for doctors and autopsies to start to leak out that it's like no, this guy. I think it was something like he had 14 active different drugs in his system when he died oh yeah and like 11 of them being like insane drugs mm-hmm. so he's a big pills guy he became addicted to pills in the military gotcha. um it's how he kind of started losing weight again and stuff like that the movie also veers away from like his weight gain in the late 60s yeah, he's going into very the 70s. skinny in yeah. the whole movie the um, movie paints great. the movie paints a slightly rosier picture of elvis um yeah and that's just by the nature of he had just died like he dies in august 1977 this movie comes out early 1979 they obviously wrote the thing and started making it right away to be able to get it out on tv it was this huge tv event everyone watched it it beat out everything else uh that was airing that night like this was a this was a huge moment this was a very beloved american icon and people were watching this story it's a very rose-tinted glasses version. Priscilla Presley, his ex-wife, um, was what was able was given like fifty thousand dollars. She was brought on to to, to fact check it, basically fact check it, and yeah. I think by also fact checking it, kind of smooths some things over. Mm. Priscilla Presley is um, a notoriously um, wacky individual. Is how mm-hmm. I will is how I will say it. Um, there's a lot of, uh, both of them are very crazy. Like when you're that rich and powerful and especially you're going to be a little case, fucking nuts. Yeah. You really can't help it. So the fact that he was as kind of, um, humble and kind in his own way <clears throat> in his personal life, uh, is pretty staggering. Uh, again, there's bad stuff. Elvis, uh, I'm sure he was a naughty boy. Uh, the fifties and sixties were a wild time. I'm sure he was getting into some no good, but, um, yeah. You know, as far as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, uh, seems like a cool guy. Yeah. And I think the movie really presents that coolness in a fun way. The movie's very cool. It looks good. It sounds great. Kurt the Russell is fucking fantastic. I To me, I'm like, this is Kurt Russell's best role that I've ever seen. And it's like at the kind of pretty early yeah. on in his career, you know, like... Mm-hmm. 
I think it's real, and I think that's all of his early stuff, like Computer War, Tennis Shoes, all of his Disney early stuff before he really launched off with Escape from New York, are all great. Yeah, and I don't think like you know his his. And when I say that, I think this is like one of his best performances. It's not to diminish his talent in the other movies. It's just that the other movies I've seen him in, and especially in like Carpenter movies, like they're just asking for something a little bit different. Like you know, in Escape from New York, like. They're asking for a muted performance for someone who's kind of like a little bit gruff and a little bit more quiet and like, you know, so he's doing acting in that way. In in this movie, he has to be transformative. He has to become someone else. He has to wear another man's skin. Yeah. Um, and he does that all super, super good. And he really like, you know, I forget it's Kurt Russell, someone yes. who I've been watching all of his movies recently yeah. for this podcast. Like, I forgot it was Kurt Russell because he does such a good job. Even, you know, from just like getting the, you know, I, I don't know a ton about Elvis, but like, you know, what I imagine the mannerisms to be, uh, what I imagine the voice to be, and it doesn't feel pastiche. It feels like, you know, it feel it feels genuine. The movie feels really genuine. It feels like Carpenter has has a love for this this man, and I, I think he, I think he does. I don't I don't think it's just a gig for him. There seems to be some TLC in the movie. I don't know. Yeah, he says, uh, you know, and in like making the movie again, this was like a huge small scale countrywide event. This was Avengers yeah. Endgame of 1979 as much as it could be and so carpenter's kind of given the fluff talk and talking about how elvis has always been very important to him i would imagine that elvis very much was uh, especially from his musician side elvis was a guy that kind of pioneered you know him in tandem with the beatles 10 years later kind of changed the face of not only how music specifically rock can be utilized but how it is marketed and how you can kind of create a sound and elvis they have that whole line like no one sounds like me he's like well when you play hillbilly who do you sound like and he's like nobody and that was very much elvis's thing is that he could take all these different genres and mash them together and produce a sound that was notably completely different than anything else that had ever happened and even back in the 50s that was a very hard thing to do the music industry is insanely diluted right now with anybody who has a microphone and the basic understanding of how a single instrument works um it's very hard to get noticed and that was insanely true back in the 50s too where being a musician and becoming somewhat successful as a musician and an artist was like the American dream. Uh, But to become that crazy famous, you know, Elvis was one of those first big, massive American icon celebrities. And I think that John Carpenter has a certain, a lot of his things kind of like, he likes to deal with capitalism. He likes to deal with control and like, and these different ideas. We're going to get into some more stuff with fame as we get into In the Mouth of Madness. Um, but I think he genuinely does like the story of Elvis. I think he respects Elvis. There's yeah. a certain level of, like you said, TLC in this movie that comes from a place that you really can't fake. Like you have to really like the subject that you're dealing with to be able to present things in such a heartful way. And the subject in this is Elvis. So yeah, I think Carpenter completely digs that dude. Yeah, I mean, I think he he makes like some Elvis reference or Elvis joke in like a few of his movies that we've seen already that came out after Elvis came out. So like, I'd imagine it's like, you know, important to him in some level of his personality or career. Um, and I really, I like, you know, I, I really can't get over like how like good the movie looks. Like, there's some shots that like I sent you like a video of like of, of like of, of like a minute I I filmed on my phone of the movie and I was like this shit's crazy like this is like one of the coolest shots in the movie so far and like you know it's just the movie has a really cool vibe and feel and it, and it like on a technical level I was really impressed with it um and I just it's just impressive that it just came from came from Carpenter especially at this point in his career you know and it's interesting to see you know uh how he keeps on trying you know, he'll he'll get something like Elvis, which is like, you know, like you said, it's like the Avengers of TV at the time. You know, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And he's still, he's like, oh, okay, but I want to make like, 
I won't make my things. I won't make my weird, spooky horror and/or action movies. You know, like yeah. it's always so he can. You know, and that's I mean, that's that's a cool artist to, for him to be like. Yeah, I want to. I'm doing the like. It's so evident in his career. It's like I'm doing this only so I can do the yes. thing I really like. Like that's more true than like. I think we use that with Nolan a lot. You know, yeah. like the one for you, one for me kind of thing that he does. Mm-hmm. And, and he's doing that, but it feels way... Like, Carpenter is really just like, no, I want to make, like, Assault and Precinct 13 again and again and again and again. I want to make this smaller thing that flexes this specific mm-hmm. muscle group that I really like to do. It's cool. And that's very much where we're where we're about to see in the 90s as we, like, on the especially on the next episode. We're about to see, like... The artist is there, and the money and the studio control start to really start coming in, yeah. and you see his effort start to diminish. Um, you see that it becomes harder and harder for him to be able to produce the type of stuff that he wants to do. He's getting a little bit older. He's already got the being a little bit more out of touch uh, than everything else. Yeah. Um, it was notorious that, and this is a conversation for another time, but it was notorious that he was not really surrounding himself with people who might have a little bit more of an elegant understanding of what the world was kind of wanting right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in the nineties, he would evolve into that, which would ultimately leave him to lead him to leaving filmmaking altogether um, for over a decade before returning for one more movie to kind of be his send off movie before completely committing to music, which his music career has been fucking great. I, yeah. I think that it fe- I feel like it sometimes is understated and undervalued how insanely awesome all three of John Carpenter's uh, solo produced albums are. Lost Themes 1 and 2 and um, the, the remixes that he made of his classic themes, the anthology album. I was going to say, I, I've been recently diving into his music uh, within the past few days and I really dig it. But what kind of started me really jumping into it, besides just like listen to this or doing this podcast, I listen to to it sometimes. Uh, mm-hmm. Is he had a new single come out called "Weeping Ghost," and that song, I'm fucking, I'm listening bumps. to it for the first time in just a little bit because uh, I was saving it for it's Halloween. Good, yeah. it's good, man. I already listened yeah. to it at least twice today. It's fucking. Yeah, good. I'm gonna listen to the the old Trent Reznor Halloween remix, which is great. Okay, and, uh, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna pop that, that one on. Oh yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, send that send that my way. Sure. For yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. Elvis. Really good, man. Just good. A, just a solid little movie. Everybody's great in it. It looks really good. It's such a surprise. You know, you look at this and you go, "Ah, oh, we're gonna do the three TV movies." Uh, Someone's watching me. Looks like a weird, shitty '70s movie. There's an Elvis biopic starring Kurt Russell. You know, you're just kind of like. Yeah. What the fuck is this? And this, it's, this it's was insane that it Elvis surprised was, me. Yeah. yeah, it did. I I remember having I fond surprised. memories of it where I was just like, yeah, it's TV movie about Elvis. Gonna love watching some hot, sexy Kurt Russell. And when watching it I, this time, yeah. I'm just like, hey, wait a minute. I feel this like I good. I feel like I like am like in on like uh, an exclusive club, you know? Because it's like we had to, you had to buy the DVD even just to watch this movie. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's hard to find, and, like, and to me, it's just, like, it's easily one of Carpenter's best movies. Like, it's, I like, agree. without a, like without a fucking, de- someone's just, like, what's, like, his top five movies? I'm, like, well, Elvis is in there. It's, like, yeah, I'm, like, Absolutely, yeah, like, top I, five, I, like, I'd probably what, include Elvis yeah. in there. Like, how the fuck could it, like, how the fuck could it not be? Yeah. Like, it's that, it's really that good. It's so good. I mean, I'm want probably going to gonna get fucking, I never want to do that. I'm probably going to get canceled uh, by all of the uh, straight white men out there um, for this. But uh, I think I'll get Elvis them all is, on the phone. <laughs> I think Elvis is better than they live. Damn, I do. Looks like someone's really obeying the. I guess uh, so. You know, I, guess so. I, I love my I love my American cheeseburgers. So, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's definitely. I don't know if I agree with that. But it's up there. Yeah, maybe I w- maybe I do agree with that. I don't know. I think that I mean, again, you know, just because I put Elvis above They Live doesn't mean I don't think that They Live is a phenomenal movie. They yeah. Live. I mean, They Live rests. is above. You know, all the I I I think that uh, Memoirs of Invisible Man Geisha is probably better than. Uh, I mean, that's number one for me. 
so far. This is a joke. It's I know. Joke. That's why I'm not. I'm just letting you ride it. That's why you're I'm, not I'm, laughing. I'm letting you do the kickflip. Yeah. I'm just, that's why I'm not laughing. Yeah. I'm letting you do the. I'm letting you do the kickflip. I'm letting you. I know the joke. That's why I'm not it. laughing. I was waiting great. for you to land it and be like, oh, "Great, fantastic." You're still in mid flip. Um. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to be. Is mid flip. Um. Yeah. Love Elvis. It's. You know, it's one of those movies that is just so easy to talk about because there's so much about it that I love. I could talk yeah. about each individual thing. I think the music is all handled very well. I think all of the sets look great. The costumes are fucking fantastic. Great. In it. All great. of the makeup and hairstyling is fucking on point. Uh, the only thing that sucks about the movie, and I was I, I was watching it halfway through, and I was like, you know, there's something off about this that I'm not really kind of connecting. And I was like, who edited this? And I looked up who edited it, just someone. And yeah. and then I read that John Carpenter, the, the final cut, the, edit, the entire editing process and the music was taken away uh, from any oversight of John Carpenter. So he had no say in how they were cutting together the stuff that he put together and how they were utilizing music and sound in it, which is why oh, in a wow. lot of scenes you can see that they have dubbed sound in and there's really no atmosphere and stuff to it, especially earlier on in the movie because I think maybe they weren't capturing uh, atmospheric sound the way that they were supposed to, um, which is a, a problem in Halloween as well that they didn't really capture a lot of atmospheric sound to play in the background of dialogue so they kind of just went and found other stuff oh i thought the- you know i thought that was a choice because now i'm remembering i think what you're kind of talking about where like yes. some scenes would end and it felt like the sound was just like yeah. cut from it mm-hmm. i thought that was like a choice it is like a, a choice mood, like a mood spots. choice yeah it is a choice in some spots and i believe it's done by the editor because a lot of the sound was not captured at certain points in the thing. I don't know specifically mm-hmm. why, but I do know that there's stuff in there that is some is an editing choice and some is like you tried to cover up that you didn't have sound for that. I gotcha. Um interesting. So the music, uh, you know, as far as the score and stuff can be a little blase, but you've got Elvis's music in there. Fuck it. That man. shit rocks. That's yeah. fine. And uh the editing is a little goofball from time to time, but again, the shots and frames are so well constructed and there's a lot of control on display mm-hmm. as far as like what you are seeing that how it's stitched together might be a little goofy, but uh, it moves at such a fast pace. And honestly, whether this is a compliment or not, the movie's so long that you eventually get used to it. And I kind of stopped noticing it so much. Yeah. You get indoctrinated by, yeah. by the movie. Uh, I also like, you know, I've never really like the, like the Beatles every once in a while, I'll be like, I'm going to fucking listen to some Beatles. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not holier than thou about classic music, you know? Uh, but Elvis was never something that was like quite on my radar. Um, cause I was just like, well, I'm not really sure if I'm into like that rockabilly stuff. I know other people really like it, but it never, like it never had the, I never had the moment where like Elvis move music kind of pierced into my, my listening, you know, repertoire, so to speak. Um, cause I think that's the way it is with like classic tunes. Like it needs to like get in there somehow. Sure. Uh, and like Beatles has gotten in there, Michael Jackson has gotten in there, Bowie has gotten in there. Like it, it always, it always has been later in my life. I got into all those, all that music. Um, but this movie definitely gave me a, a appreciation for for Elvis to the point where I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll listen to some Elvis sometimes. Like fuck it, that's just good. Elvis is a a fine musician. Yes, <laughs> one of the best. Some might say. Um. Any any closing thoughts on Elvis before we jump on over to body bags? I mean, like nah, again, like I was good. What was I really was good. saying before, like this is your classic TV movie. If someone's watching me, is you know, uh, write a director for hire, make a rear window TV movie with this kind of twist on it, and let's go. Um, Elvis is the type of TV movie that is like we are going to make a major event out of this. It won't cost as much money. We won't make as much of a return, but it's a way to really kind of. Um, get a certain star out there this is very much a kurt russell vehicle to yeah. uh propel his career from uh tv movie disney channel stardom type stuff into i mean it is wild that there are two years between this movie and escape from new york that's fucking insane 
He put on a lot of muscle in between there. Because he's so little in this he's movie. He's a little tiny boy. He's a little, he's a little, little man. Yeah. He's so skinny. What is um, it, 27 or something, right? Gotta be close to, yeah. yeah. So it, like, it makes sense that it's like, this is the type of movie that Carpenter would do after two little horror movies. One horror movie is extremely uh, well-received. Uh, Carpenter's entire thing was that he did not want to get pigeonholed into being a horror director in the same way that he didn't want to be pigeonholed for being an action director from Assault on Precinct 13, which is why he flipped over with Halloween. Yeah. So this is... He... Well, it's definitely a departure from those two. Exactly. So, and it is fun that, like, you know, you see all of his things that he tries to, like, you know, stray away from horror, but he keeps going back to it. And very much like kind of what you're talking about, like, everyone wants a Carpenter horror movie. All right, I'll do that for the studio, but then I'm going to do They Live, you know, which has horror elements, but is in no way a horror movie, you know? And then, like, oh, I'm going to do Escape from New York, and then I'll do this, and, you know, I'm going to do, you know, I'll do... Memoirs of an Invisible Man for you, but you got to let me do In the Mouth of Madness. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's how we're going to get to that. And then that really is the beginning of, and they're like, okay, so now you've done our horror movie uh, that you really wanted to do. So make a horror movie that we really want you to do. We want you to remake this movie. And he's like, okay. And they're like, yeah, but you got to do it like this. And we'll get into that in the next one. Yeah. Um, so this really marks the age of going into body bags now. Um, First so, time you've ever seen Body Bags. First time I've ever seen Body Bags. Uh, directed, uh, there's 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 three episodes. Body Bags was originally supposed to be a Tales from the Crypt-esque Showtime series. These were the first three episodes that were recorded. Um, with uh, John Carpenter playing the mortician guy that was going to be kind of like the Crypt Keeper. Introducing different Body Bags, different stories week to week. And you would have like, uh, you know two episodes in each show and like that's that uh so these are the three episodes that were produced the first pilot episode which would be john carpenter directing um gas station and hair and toby hooper of uh, texas chainsaw massacre and maybe poltergeist fame doing the eye starring teen heartthrob mark hamill uh there's a whole thing that steven spielberg directed a lot of poltergeist because toby hooper lost his mind and um isn't that good of a director (coughs) he did direct the weaker of the three that's fake coughing fake coughing yeah toby hooper is an okay director uh here first and poltergeist is an extremely well directed movie so say what you want uh say what say what you want body bags but so again another perfect version of what a tv movie is they tried to make a TV show. They just uh, build out the pilot, make it feature length, drop it. They're not interested yeah. in making it into a show, so they just do that. And this is kind of like, oh, they're just going to pop these all together, just make an anthology film, and there we go. Um, so, as a whole, Body Bags, really like it. That's a new classic for me. Uh, and individually, uh, I would say that even with Mark Hamill in Toby Hooper's The Eye, I think The Eye is easily the weakest of the these weakest three. one. It's the weakest one, without a fucking doubt. Yeah, and I think that Hair is the best. Is the one best is. one. All right, cool. So hair, we're all on the same page here. Hair, hair is, is an absolute miracle. Ten of a movie. out of ten. It, it is. It is funny. Perfect. It is scary. It is. It, there is a tone that is the skill. That is needed to be able to keep that tone on track for as long as they do is mind-boggling. I wanted a whole movie of, of just hair, man. I was just it like, was great. It's great. It's so, and, and, Station, and then the first Gas Station is great. fantastic. It's, great. it's really cool. A lot of fun. Lot that's the one where all the directors are popping up. You got Wes Craven, Sam Raimi, mm. you know, um, even Toby Hooper shows up at the end as one of the morticians with Tom Arnold, which when Tom Arnold shows up, I was like, whoo, 93. Oh, I uh, I very much I, I was very impressed with Body Bags and like you said like new classic for you like hell yeah I want to watch this movie again uh, it makes me wish that there was this t- crypt, like Tales from the Crypt Twilight Zone series where mm-hmm. John Carpenter's like the the guy during it uh, I also really like the John Carpenter scenes I really like oh. that can I think those are He's really cool so much fun I feel yeah so and, like good you never for him. you never see him 
you know, ass, doing really. some fun shit. Yeah, yeah. And he, and like, I was like, this is, and he's, in he's it. great. It's he great. knows how cheesy he's being. You know, we just shot a bunch of stuff uh, for the intros to the horror show movies, and oh, yeah. they were very much We've in that there. vein. You know, <laughs> that we were. You know, they were definitely not as good, even though we made them like twenty five years later. But they're definitely like there's a cheekiness and a cheesiness and a yeah a lack of. Um, you know, you want to be sincere in how much fun you're having, but you don't want to take mm-hmm. it too seriously, but you want to produce a good product. And there's a, a really hard level to hit there um, to do the good work and create a good product while also still have fun. And yeah. uh, that is a hard thing to be able to balance and it takes years to be able to get to, which is why Carpenter in the 90s is just like he is having some fun, even on movies that he kind of doesn't like uh, after the fact or maybe movies that he says that he didn't have a really great time making. You can definitely mm-hmm. tell that he's at least having fun with what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and body bags is like a perfect example of that. These are man. This is a fun fucking ride. They're fun. T- you should check out like a Tales from the Dark Side is another uh, TV movie that was going to be an anthology series like Tales from the Crypt. Uh, yeah. Much darker, you know. That's what's fun about. I think body that's what bags. I like about body bags is that it's it's not so. I think that's why I don't like the eye that much because the eye is like it's a little bit too get, more let's, serious. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's just try, it's just trying so hard to be like. I don't know what it's trying to do. They have like, you know, Mark Hamill, you know, being this like rape scene and all these things. And I'm just like, where you get to see Mark Hamill's balls. And like, I was like, this is like full frontal penetration happening in this weird movie. Yeah, man. (laughs) I was shocked to see that. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so like, you know, yeah, that, that's the only weak point for me. And I still like, I think enjoyed watching it for the first time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I hair, hair though is so. I wish that uh, I want to see John Carpenter make more movies like Hair, where it's a little, where it's like a little bit more like tongue in cheek, but like, like really, it's it's coming. Because uh, I mean, he has like comedic I mean, elements. That's, to that's They movies, Live but. is very much like I'd say They Live is the closest thing in his thing to that. That because They Live is very much satirical, yeah. very much over the top on purpose. I feel like a lot of people, a lot. Of pe- a lot of people maybe don't get the satirical edge that that movie is supposed to have. Um, and some of the comedy, I think it's his funniest movie. I said it in our last episode. Um, I Not think Big Trouble Little China. <laughs> What's that? Not Big Trouble Little China. No, Big Trouble Little China is great too. Again, when you do, somebody- I just think it's it's funny. I also think there's there's a satirical element to. Big trouble, little. Oh, one hundred. That's another like, has, thing. Like, is has to right. Some yeah. people don't get that. Like, no, this is like making fun of like five different types of movies, and yeah. then making fun of the fact that it's making fun of five different movies. Like, it's meta, meta. It's meta, meta. And my friend's twelve-year-old uh, would love it. Little asshole kid. <laughs> little asshole. Kid. <laughs> little asshole kid knows too much about movies. Meta, meta. Um, meta. You know, hair is meta, just. Meta, uh, meta, meta. It's so much fucking fun. Uh, as someone who has been losing his hair a lot for a long time, it's really fun. Gotta get when you the plugs, man. It's really fun when that stuff is kind of put right up front. Um, because hair loss is very much a thing that people really just don't fucking talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my hair is going, it is insanely thin. I have like a big old bald spot in the back of my head. I ask people like, how's my, like, how's my hair look like not strangers or anything i'll do something like has my hair okay and they're just like oh it looks fine no it fucking doesn't and we don't talk about it we don't well, talk you know, about it we don't uh, try luckily, to make people feel comfortable with their hair this this episode is sponsored by four hymns where you can get a doctor appointment and we're behind uh, the generic brand we're not sponsored by anybody oh yeah never mind so yeah. don't go to four hymns yeah. um i mean real I quick i hate people like you oh with my hair yeah yeah i fucking hate it I'm sorry, man. You take you take it for granted, and I know that you do. And you can say anything to me right now, and I know that you do not appreciate your hair the way that. Stop looking at my hair while I'm talking to you. I mean, about I'm this. not looking at your yes, hair. I'm looking. You up. fucking are. I know, you, now I'm you doing... just started looking up. Uh, I do. I I care a lot about my hair. Don't. I look do at consider my hair. myself. I consider myself uh, blessed. Have my full head of hair. Uh, I mean, I have to get an ultrasound on my liver soon. So you know, you you get some good ones, you See, get you, the, you lose some other. That's ones, the that's you know? the that's the content people pay five dollars a month for here. Yeah, they're like, 
Oh, okay. It's like, wait, so how did Robbie die? Well, if you go, if you go back a if couple months, if you listen to, yeah, yeah, we'll see the yeah. TV, the the John Carpenter TV movies episode. He mentions it. He mentions it. Drops at around minute fifty. Uh, I should be fine by next episode. Maybe I'll let you know <laughs> what we'll the see. results are. <laughs> uh, but no, hair is great. It's it's so it's so fucking funny. Um, yeah. There's an attitude, again, like I said, there's an attitude and tone that is perfectly balanced for the entire time. Uh, I had no idea where it was going. You know, uh, they're introducing yeah. it. It's called hair. The guy's balding. Okay, he's looking in the mirror. He's doing all this stuff. There's a lot of fun things with, like, you know, because I've looked at, like, stuff to be, like, how can I keep my hair? And all of yeah. it seems have you tried, so... Have you tried no, snake it aliens? It all seems so fucking <laughs> stupid. Uh, yeah. Snake Alien seems like I'd be into. Yeah, I agree. Um, the first time you see one of those Snake Aliens, when you see you're it, just like, like, man! Shut the, you're like, like, shut the yo, fuck up. Yo, you're doing what now? <laughs> it's great. It's uh, The movie is an absolute fucking um, show of talent on every fucking level. There is so, so much weird. control on display. Um, it is bewildering, even to someone... Who and I think you'll agree with me as sharing this kind of experience. Like even as someone, even to someone who has been watching John Carpenter movies constantly for almost a year, in order developing his filmography, the fact that he is even this confident to pull something like that off in such a good way is still insanely impressive to me. Yeah, and like you know, it kind of like it's a cool movie that has come out like you know later in his career but evokes so much of his like earlier techniques and stuff like that and and yeah it's it's very it's very cool to see him kind of like kind of just be able to pull it out right just to be like yeah. oh i'll just make i'll just make it like this because like you know what is, is a gas station is the name of it i know it's at a gas station but the gas station yeah the gas station like you know that feels kind of like carpenter greatest hits like kind of boiled down to like oh movie, totally you know he, he copies like five separate of his of his from things. Halloween, the fog, the thing, like yeah. all of his horror movies. It's fucking cool. And it's cool. And like it reminded me a lot of uh uh, uh Christine. Like very, very much, much like a lot there's of there's like, a lot of Christine vibes. in there, yeah. I think the coolest shot in the movie though, uh, is when um the gas station attendant is like hammering through the glass wall. It's so and I and I was just like, this is cool. some of the coolest shit I've seen in one of his movies. Like, yes. this is so cool. And it's a very simple, like... So simple. It's yeah. all the framing and the fact that he's got a B camera on the side out of shot of camera A so they can mm. get multiple images of him, like, hitting at the same time and just using the same plexiglass. It is very obvious that they are not on a set, that they are using a real location, which always fucking helps. Yeah. Um, it's it's great. It's uh, yeah, it's cool. A lot of fun. I love that Wes Craven and Sam Raimi are in it. Uh, I love that the dude from American Werewolf in London is in mm. it. Um, I love that it's 1993 and that the heroine <laughs> is very... a black woman. That's fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of there. There's a lot of stuff in it that is. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it's maybe in hair where there's kind of like a homosexual, like a, a, like a a homosexual, like joke, but it's not homophobic. Like, it's just like, yeah, gay people exist and I'm not one of them. And you're just kind of like 1993 dealing with that. I think it's something with the hairdresser or something. Oh yeah. There's something. I do. I think I remember talking about, yeah, it wasn't like offensive. Like it was just not offensive. You're just like gay is a thing. And uh, just as straight as a thing, and both can be funny if if not demeaned, if utilized correctly. And I think that that's, for 1993, 27 years ago, that's an insanely, astoundingly woke. Like, is John Carpenter, yeah. like, the OG woke? Is probably he... not. The, him as a white man probably is not the OG woke. But I think he, he's always been, uh, I think he's, you know, he's never been... He never like shied I mean, away from having like he's female up there with MLK. who are strong. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I like that you talked over that one. Maybe it'll get lost in it. It's maybe a, that's good. Who knows? I was like, maybe I can sneak this in while he's saying that, so I won't get in trouble. Um, 
Yeah, Harry reminded me of the uh, had to have now now that I know has to have been inspired by Hair uh, Tobias Funke in Arrested Development when he gets the hair plugs and they start like killing him. I'm like, this is exactly like that. Like, mm-hmm. it's always fun when you see older things and you're just like, oh, maybe this connects to this in some fun way. I don't know. And there's that new movie Bad Hair that just dropped on Hulu. I'm really excited about that one. And that's like a is horror, that about that's like a kind new of? horror movie and it's about bad hair. hair. I think. Spooky. I gotta see. Uh, speaking of like thing, but spooky. I gotta see in fabric still. Or is yes, it just fabric. I, is it in fabric in, or in fabric? fabric? Yeah, that was yeah. one that uh, completely got past me last year. I hear year. that shit is cool. Yeah, I have had it on my my prime watch forever. I'm really yeah. at this point just kind of waiting for it to drop on Shutter for a hot sec, so I can just save the two ninety nine. That'd be nice. Uh, but yeah, body bags, absolutely awesome. Much Slaps. more interested yeah. in, you know, the things we said about the gas station and hair. Uh, the eye, cool to see Mark Hamill having some fun. This was in the age that where Mark cool. Hamill was very much trying to distance himself from Luke Skywalker. Uh, show his no, balls, that's one way to do it. To no avail. Like, uh, he tried many things, and they did not work. And that is the unfortunate uh, circumstance of both him and Carrie Fisher... And to a certain degree, um, Billy D. Williams. It was very hard for them to break away from the movies. Harrison Ford was able to do it um, by taking on these much more kind of uh, meteor roles. He already had the tandem. He was of, already established, though. That was the know? thing. Is like yeah. not not when he was Han Solo, but like he uh, jumped right the fuck over to Indiana Jones. So he had both of those things going on. So when when uh, Star Wars ended in 83, he was able to kind of do a couple like action movies while he was yeah. doing his Indiana Jones movies. And once those ended in like the early nineties, he was just like, all right, not dying the hair anymore. I'm going gray. And now I guess I'm going to become the fugitive. I guess I'm going to become. I guess I'm going to become the fugitive. Yes. Yes. Um, Quick shout out real quick to remind everybody that Joker is not a good movie and should not be appreciated. <laughs> um, That's what you get for this. Con- when you pay, you get to hear a shit on the Joker. Yeah. Because that movie fucking sucks. Just dumb, dumb, stealing movie. <laughs> Go to jail. <laughs> if you, and, and to be clear, if you like, if you like, if you like the Joker, totally fine. Awesome. Love to talk to you about it. I don't want to talk Me? about it. Yeah. Don't like it. I don't um, like that movie. I actually listened back to our episode on the Joker. Oh yeah. On Joker. Uh, you're very you're very nice on that episode. We were both very nice to it because again, yeah, the movie everyone's giving it they're like, you guys are not gonna like it because you already don't like it. It's like the movie whatever. as it is is just like we said on the fine. It's fine. It's the more awards and accolades and stuff that it got the more I'm just kind of like, I have a bad taste in my mouth with it and I don't like... Honestly, though, I love that it exists because I love making fun of it. There is no movie easier to in, make fun of than that in, movie. In some ways, as much as I like really don't like that movie, it is also my favorite movie. Yes, very uh, much so. Because, yeah. because it has elicited so much humor from me. <laughs> it's great. The funniest things I've ever said revolve around It's an absolute masterpiece. It's one of the best movies like ever fucking It's movie. one of the best. It really speaks to me because, you know, I'm someone who's been white. So Body Bags uh, is kind of like, you know, his John Carpenter's kind of like teaming in. Do you have anything else that you want to say specifically about the eye? I know we didn't talk about it that much. It's not John Carpenter anyway, so it's not really relevant. Uh, I, I like seeing Mark Hamill do weird shit. It was fun. That's all I got. Yeah, I don't think it's that. I I think it it, it like violently tries to be interesting when it's not because it's like it almost like does like the Chucky thing where it's like no, he's just possessed. And I think like the concepts like cool enough. I think it's so weird he's a... Now I'm just like talking shit about it. I think it's so weird that it starts off him being like a baseball player and then it just kind of never comes up again. It's like they need to come up with... Like he can just want two eyes. Like it's not... like He's like, I'm a baseball player and then you never... It's like (laughs) he never plays baseball again. And there's so many times he's just like, I'm a baseball player. It's just like, okay. (laughs) It's so stupid. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what it is and he's like but I'm a but I'm a but baseball I'm a, player my yeah, eye like, but I'm like, a baseball player yeah like it, it, and I guess like the assumption is like oh well he has the money to afford this like 
random I mean, and like, like I I'm guess a, but he hasn't made the majors league. yet I guess it's it, you know it's yeah it's trying to form the the desperation why sure. he would do this uh why when things start going wrong he wouldn't immediately be like take this thing out um yeah, yeah it's uh just as far as like a time capsule performance piece from Hamill, that's kind of the only thing that this that's thing's the got coolest, going. That's for the coolest it. thing about it. Yeah. yeah. Or I'd, I'd even like, go so far as to say it's the only interesting thing about it. Yeah. If it was, if it was not Mark Hamill in that role, I I, I would have be been like, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, fuck that. I don't Which is, you know, the, a signifier of like a bad movie. Yes. The only reason I'm interested in this is because it is the actor that is playing them because of his it's, place in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the like most well-known actors of all time. Yes. So I'm invested in this to Who a certain Who has not extent. been in much outside of the main thing no. that he's known for. You know, that's why yeah. it's... So it's cool. So like, you know, when you get it, it's cool. Uh, it makes sense why he's, you know, does so much voice acting because you, you know, won't know it's him until you look it up. Totally, yeah. And I like his career for that. But yeah, yeah, it's not that good. But the thing is, you know, despite that, the other two are fucking great. Mm-hmm. And you just fast forward through this last one and then see how it how it wraps up, which is also good. Yeah, it's uh I like body bags a lot. I think I'm gonna start watching it every October. I have a couple movies That's that how I, I watch feel, every man. October. Um it made me really want to watch uh, Tales from the Dark Side and a couple other like fun anthology movies. Tales from the Hood is also a fucking fantastic one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but unfortunately, I just watched Body Bags like a couple days ago. Um, but uh, like, I, I'm almost. I try not to watch horror movies starting November first, you know, because I like to. I really crush them out. I've watched so many horror movies this year. Mainly, uh, uh yeah. like the drive-in and stuff like that. Uh, this October, I've watched so much um, that I'm really excited to start getting into some dramas and comedies. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, November is not a horror movie itself. We'll see. No, I think we'll be all right. I think everybody is gonna behave themselves and be cool. I hope you're right, man. Anything else for you on body bags? I really fucking like it. Nah, I really liked it. It was it was a pleasant that and Elvis were pleasant surprises. But body bags is definitely something I wanna like put in my my regular Halloween rotation. Yeah, body Very bags good. is short enough and quick enough. I'd probably even leave out the eye and I, I would, would just too. watch the first two. Uh and Elvis is something that I would highly recommend to absolutely anybody to check out. It is a little time consuming, but it is very much worth it. It's a TV movie. You can feel the breaks where you can take them, so no big deal. That kind of thing. Yeah, that's I would I would break it up just because it's a little like easier to absorb. Unless you know you want to cross the whole thing by all means. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, and someone's watching. All three were good. It's two ninety nine on YouTube. Uh, I highly recommend that one too. I would say don't seek that one out. Um, If you feel like it, watch it. Definitely watch Body Bags. Can't recommend it enough. And if yes. Elvis seems like the type of movie that you might even have a monicum of fun with, you're gonna absolutely it love it. It's, it's uh, really it good. Gives it gives you everything. Yeah. Yeah. We got what do you got going on over there? We got dead air. Oh, you know me, just looking at all the stuff that I got to do now that I've been talking on the video for an hour. The for entire, an hour now, you- <laughs> the entire world has blown up. So oh, good. Go. Yeah, you know, that's all it is. Well, that's fine. I got to eat food anyway, so we should probably get this thing Let's wrap this wrapped up. up. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, thank you all again for listening. Uh, this is The Cash Fence, so continue to support us this way. It's, it's a lot of fun to do these things, and honestly, we would not be able to make these episodes if it wasn't for the exclusive content um, moolah that we're getting in from all you lovely, lovely members. Uh, It makes it a lot easier for us to be able to do other things so that we have time to be able to watch some of these movies and get together and talk about them, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I especially was not really in the podcasting game for quite a while there last year, so it was kind of fun to get back into them. Um, But yeah, next time we are going to be talking about... uh, uh, Carpenter's two 1995 movies, uh, In the Mouth of Madness and Village of the Damned. Uh, In the Mouth of Madness is based off of the H.P. Lovecraft uh, famous book. 
And Village of the Damned is based off of a very fucking weird movie. Oh, okay. Can't wait to check it out. So, um, we'll be doing those ones next time. So, check those out. And, uh... So I guess I am going to be watching a couple scary movies in November. Yeah, I guess you will be. (laughs) It's fine. We'll always have some spookies. Um, But yeah, so thank you guys again, Robbie. Thank you so much for continuing on this journey with me and discussing these three very very special films. Of course. And uh, we will catch you next time, guys. Peace. Stay spooky and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Meow. Meow.